You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. so great to see everybody. To see everybody online, I wish I could see you. You can see me. Can you see me now? And uh, we just appreciate that you're joining us online today. I, uh, I had the great privilege uh, this week to have lunch with uh, one of my buddies, Fat, uh, Father Matt Brené over at St. Peter's. And uh, we get along famously. And uh, we always fight over the check. And that's always fun. And he shares with me what God is doing in his parish. And I share with him what God is doing here. We celebrate together what God's doing in Cornwall. And uh, there's a reason I'm telling you this today. There is a network of priests across uh, the world right now. Canada uh, has a chapter called The Divine Renovation. It began as a book James Mallon wrote in Nova Scotia a number of years ago and sparked uh, hope for priests that knew that there was more uh, than status quo. Their, their webpage, if I could just read from it, it says it's just plain wrong that the Catholic Church is in decline precisely when the world needs good news of Jesus the most. We've helped thousands of priests in their parishes find new hope, reverse decline, and through them thousands of people have come to know Jesus, and your parish could be next. <laughs> it's very exciting. And uh, today I read that to you and tell you a little bit about uh, my ongoing relationship uh, with the Catholic Church here in town. And today I just want to give a shout out to Kevin Burgess, who's watching online. He'd hoped to be in our service today. He's in seminary uh, in, uh, in London, Ontario, finishing up. He's almost Father Kevin, and uh, will be ordained uh, just in a very short while. And he'll do his first Mass at St. Peter's, uh, as is the custom of new priests when they're being ordained to ministry. And he was going to be in our service today, and because of the snowstorm, uh, didn't make it out. But as part of uh, the heart cry of so many priests, um, he actually began his education as a physicist uh, or chemical, I think, I think it was a physicist, and got a PhD. Uh, he's kind of a smart guy. But God's tug on his heart said, I, I, I require you, and, and I have need of you. And he answered that call and, and, uh, over these years preparing at seminary, and uh, we'll be beginning. And his heart is that people would, as he's part of the divine uh, renovation, um, he wanted to be here today just to join us, and we'll be having a Zoom call this week just to talk about what God's doing here at Harvest, because he's excited as he begins his ministry. He has said, I'm talking about you, Kevin, um, he has said um, that he wants to make sure that whatever he puts his hands to in the name of, of, of what Jesus has called him to, that it would be full of life, salvation, people worshiping God and being set free. Kind of sounds familiar, right? I believe one of the greatest outpourings of God's Spirit will be amongst our Catholic brothers and sisters in this day as they are standing upon over 2,000 years of church orthodoxy. And I believe that God, the fire of God's presence is just going to come. And, well, I don't know exactly what it'll look like because I don't think we're supposed to know what it looks like. I just th think we embrace what God is doing. And so uh, almost, Father uh, Kevin, bless you today. We love you. Wish you could be here with us. I know you're here with us online. I look forward to spending some time with you this week. 
talking about all the great things that God is doing. God's doing some great things, right? Man, and it's beyond, it, it goes outside of our box sometimes, doesn't it? And, and I love that. And I love that at, at Harvest, uh, that we're embracing all that God, that God is doing. I also want to thank uh, you as a church for your incredible generosity uh, for the honor offering. It was embarrassingly generous, <laughs> and I mean that in a positive way. And uh, so thank you for just joining uh, your hearts and your finances together to bless uh, Dick and Margot Delacio as we honor the great contribution uh, that they've given to Harvest Christian Fellowship. There is a great event happening uh, April 1, Friday evening in Chesterville, Ontario, as uh, great partners of this church, uh, uh, Pastor James that's preached here a number of times, and he'll be here again. We're, we be family at Motion Church in Morrisburg, and they are in faith launching out to have a campus expression in Chesterville, and they're going to begin by do, having a worship experience there, and I said to them, how about we send some people from uh, harvest and have rent a crowd. So you rent you rent us at no at no fee. Uh, we just want to come and and see if it's a worship event and people from the area are coming. Then you want to create that atmosphere. They they can't create that atmosphere. They're just checking out who Jesus is and what's happening. But we know how to do that. And so I just want to draw your attention. If you want to be a part of Rent a Crowd, uh, we want to just even make a seating problem for them in Chesterville. Uh, and uh, the details are on their webpage and on ours as well. So uh, think about that and make that, uh, maybe decide today you're going to go and worship the Lord with them. All right, here we go. Ancient Paths, part five. I want to talk to you today about love the book. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Why? Because there's so many seemingly ways to walk today, and uh, we need to walk in the right path, God's path, the good path, and walk in it. You will find rest for your souls. Perpetual refreshing is what that means. But you said, speaking about Jeremiah and who he was prophesying to, the children of God at that time, said we, we're not going to do it. And later we read about the consequences in their lives of not walking on the right path. Today I want to focus on this verse, actually for the next three weeks. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Could we read it together? Uh, just read it in unison with me. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you just what you're doing already in the service. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching hearts. Lord, you're helping us to grow in you. And Lord, as we talk about how do we find these paths, as we are Christ followers, we want to follow you. How do we find these uh, paths that have been laid out for us since eternity? Lord, your word is a lamp unto my feet that I might find the paths. Help us understand that today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Well, the word Bible, as we talk about the Word of God today, the Bible, the word Bible is just, in another language it was translated from Latin, from Greek, that just simply means book. Book. Say that. Book. That's why on many uh, Bibles, it will say, not just Bible, but it will say the Holy Bible. And, uh, and so there's a reverence for the book 
And so some people kind of get funny about that because it's like, ooh, it's the Holy Bible. And that simply means it's a book that's set apart. It's not like any other book. It is a very specific, unique book, as we're going to talk about today in the next three weeks. As I've been sharing with you in this series, and we looked at the pathway, not of judgment, but of grace, and having grace that we receive in salvation, and understanding the grace of God as we relate to others. But are there standards? God expects growth. And the answer, yes, there are standards, and God wants us to grow. And according to the book, but we want to have, and I did it in this order because Jesus was full of uh, grace and truth. And a lot of people just want to talk to you about the truth, and it doesn't work. But when the grace of God unlocks our heart and we discover what this book is about, then change begins to take place. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It's God revealing his thoughts to us, his ways to us. He's revealing who he is to us. And David said this, oh, how I love your law. I meditated on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. This is taken from Psalm 119, which if you've been around the Bible for any length of time, you would know that's the big book in Psalms, Psalm 119. It is the longest chapter in the Bible, and guess what it's about? It's about the Bible. So the longest chapter, just, just kind of interest's sake, the longest chapter in the Bible is about the Bible and about God's Word and His Scriptures. And David said he had a relationship with the book. He loved the book. Now, as David is writing it, he had the Torah. He's saying literally, oh, how I love the Torah is how that's explained. And that's the first five books of the Bible. And that's what he had. As we'll learn as we go forward that um, the message is consistent all the way through from the beginning to the end uh, of, this, of this book, the holy book, the Bible, God's word. But today I want to just leave you with this thought, love the book. And if you don't already, my job today is to stir you to begin to have a relationship with God through the Scriptures, through uh, the Bible, the Holy Bible. And as David said, I love, say love, I love your instructions. Now, when we say that, I want you to kind of put it in a context. And to help us do that, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the Gospels, John writes as he begins uh, in, in his, his, the book that he's writing um, called after his name, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as we continue reading in uh, this, this is called the prologue uh, in, in the first uh, verses in, in, the, in the book of John, as we're reading it, and it's kind of deep thought. And theologians have spent centuries uh, kind of making sense out of all this. And quite simply, today, as we read, we realize that John is talking about Jesus. He gives Jesus the title, The Word. He really could have said, instead of saying uh, the way he wrote it, he could have said, uh, before time began, there was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And in fact, Jesus was God. But he, in, in fact, or instead chooses to give Jesus this title, the Word. 
And he gives it to him because he's trying in a very beautiful way, in a very wonderful way. He's calling Jesus the Word. And what he's saying is that Jesus is the decisive message from God. Jesus is the final and decisive message from God to us. What is God saying to us? Jesus. What's on God's mind for us? Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whose name is Jesus. Jesus is the word. My goal today is to inspire you to love the Bible more, the holy book, that God gave us this message. And Jesus said to the religious people of his day, to the group called the Pharisees, because they were using the Bible a little bit differently than he intended. And religion will always do that. And they'll say, never mind loving what this book says, but instead separate yourself from the one who wrote it and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as we looked at last week, and we've looked at many times, that Satan said to Eve, there's another way to God, not at the tree of life, in the life of God, say life, but instead through the law and obeying, you do good, avoid evil, and devoid of relationship with God, you can be just like God, which of course was the greatest lie ever to humanity. And the Pharisees believed that lie, and so they studied the Bible to try to get Bible smart and be so smart when it came to the Bible that somehow that would qualify them to be in heaven one day. And Jesus responded to that nonsense. And the Father who sent me, really important, remember, that Jesus is the message. Jesus is the de definitive, decisive message of God. And the Father who sent me has also borne witness about me. And you do not have his word abiding in you. You don't have the scriptures living. They're not alive in you. They're alive in your head but they're not alive in your spirit. They don't abide. They don't stay. They don't dwell. They're not living inside you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them and in the searching and in the knowing that you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He's setting up this idea that as the, the reading the Bible, having a relationship with loving, loving the book, separate from a relationship is religious duty, religious nonsense, I would say, because in it is pointless. And so as we talk about, we're going to talk about today studying the Bible and learning the Bible, what we really want to do is understand more the one that it speaks about, the one that wants to draw closer to you and have you draw closer to him than ever before in the very expression of who he is contained in the pages of the book. Love the book. Life is in Jesus. It's not in Bible study. It's in Jesus. We start there as we read uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, it begins by saying, all Scripture, all Scripture, say all. 
from the beginning from Genesis to the end Revelation and what has been accepted in Christian orthodoxy for centuries, the books of the Bible, the what we call the scriptures, the entire canon that God has given his church today. The story is consistent as we're going to see next week. The story is consistent. It is a wonderful book that we can put the foundation of our life on, and I'll talk to you next week why I can say that, why this is truth, why we can trust the Bible as God has given it to us. All Scripture, the words in the Bible are God-breathed. Now, I want you to think about that, because when has God, when did we ever draw attention when God was breathing? <laughs> God breathes, and it's symbolic of the life of God, the very eternal life of God that is exhaled into Adam. When Adam was created, and he was but dust, he was but dirt, that's all he was until God said, I'm going to put my life into you, Adam. I'm going to breathe my life into you. I'm going to clothe you with my glory. You're going to be an amazing creation. And the Bible says that when God into Adam, he came alive. And then Adam turned from that life and went to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Jesus would come, and he would sit with his disciples after he was uh, uh, killed on a cross, buried, and he rose again, and walked through a wall and preached them all that one day on that first Easter. And they said, oh, my, who are you? It's a ghost. He said, peace. And the Bible said, then he breathed into them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. When we get born again, that very life of God, that eternal life gets put into us. And the way we continue that relationship with him is the life breath of God contained in the words of Scripture. And it's by faith that as we do our first 15, as we are doing our Bible reading, by faith we're saying, Lord, speak to me today. What we're really saying is, God, would you breathe life into me today. I just need a of your spirit. Love the book. Why do we read the book? Because we love the book. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God, which is you, which is me, we serve the purposes of God. He, he saved us that we might serve his purposes on this earth, that we may lead other people to Jesus, that we may express his love, that we may be conduits, as we heard last week, of grace and of acceptance and love and demonstrate who he is and what he's doing. So those people, say that's us, may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. God wants to thoroughly equip you. He wants to thoroughly equip you so that you can be equipped for school. Hey, come on. If your kids are struggling in math, you can lay hands on them and pray and say, God, I pray today that there will be a thorough equip for my children for math because you said every good work. And math is good. You need math. Somebody said, come on. Every good work in the scriptures, we are thoroughly equipped. There's a life in the scriptures that unlocks us, equips us, energizes us for our relationships, for our marriage, for work, for parenting, for finances. Everything we do, the life of God, his very breath through us. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Let's say it again together. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus said, 
If you abide in me, that means dwell, live, have relationship, ongoing relationship. If you have this relationship in me and my words abide in you. So here's the play on, play on words again. He's saying, he could have said, if you abide in me and allow me to abide in you. Well, how do we allow Jesus to live and dwell and abide and have life in us? How do we do that? By allowing the breath of the scriptures of the Bible to take its place in us. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Your heart and mind will be so aligned with the will of God that our prayers begin to have power like never before. By this, my Father is glorified. By what, Jesus? That you bear much fruit. Remember last week's tree? And the judge went and said, you're unfruitful, and there could be no growth, because when judgment is there, grace can't find a place, and growth won't happen. But when grace finds its place, Jesus was full of grace and truth, and when our hearts become open and the Word of God starts to come in, not because He's judging us, not because He's pointing out our faults, because He wants to breathe life, because He wants to thoroughly equip you, because He wants you to grow and bear much fruit. And when He says, when that happens, there's nothing that doesn't glorify my Father more than that. Not because He's trying to fix us. Not because we're wretched and, and, and sinners. He took care of that on the cross because he said, now I want to transform you. And the power to do that is in the book. Love the book today. Love the book. We also thank God. And Paul, speaking to the, to the church at Thessalonica, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, and he goes on and talk to, talks about what happened, but let's just pause right there. You received the word of God. It literally means you're a host. Just like if somebody was invited over to your home and you made plans to host them for a meal, you would prepare that meal, you would tell them to come in, you want them to sit in the best seat, you cook the steak exactly the way they ask, and you just want it all. And then if you, even if you're not French, just before we eat, we say, bon appetit, because I love that. I love how the French culture is, enjoy what we're about to do, because it's going to be awesome. In the same way, this church, Paul is saying, we thank God because you get it. We thank God because you're not serving God, uh, because you're doing it by knowledge and you have to try to, you know, keep the law and get every get everything exactly right. No, that's not how growth is going to happen. You love the book. You understand. You hosted it. You received his word. You accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Do you love the book this morning? Come on, we're loving the book, at work, bearing fruit in our lives. So I have these three Bibles that I brought today because uh, they're special to me. And um, Bibles have always been, I say plural because collect them along the way, but each of these represents a time in my life uh, that they were really important to me. And, uh, and I love that we have, I read uh, Bible apps in the morning uh, from my phone. But lately, I've been taking my paper Bible uh, and realizing there's something powerful about just identifying with the reality of the book and the smell of its pages 
and all of the markings that I have inside of it and the tear stains in some places and the celebrations that I've written in the margins of others and that I never leave home without the book. And I'm just creating a little space here to, that it just might be new to you. And I want you to love the book. And this one, this one was presented to me by my Aunt Judy. And uh, she watches from time to time. And uh, to a fine nephew with love given on April the 16th. So that's not too far from now. 1972, which was a long time ago. And I was nine. And I'd just been water baptized. And I'd had an experience with God as a nine-year-old, the way many nine-year-olds do. She was coming for a visit, didn't live in our town. She lived in uh, the West Island of Montreal. We were in southwestern Ontario in, Mon in Mount Bridges, little town at the time. We were sitting in church on a Sunday, and she had just gotten back from a missions trip in Morocco as a single young adult. And... Uh, and excited about what God was doing. And that's all she was talking about the whole week that she was visiting. And uh, she was carrying this around. It's uh, one of the original living Bible paraphrase. It's a paraphrase, and I'll explain next week what that means. And, uh, and, and, and so I was sitting through church, and I had an old King James Bible with a zipper on it. <laughs> that's what I used to take to church and unzip it and never could understand the these, the thous, the arts. I could barely read. I was a slow reader in grade, uh, that was grade three. And, uh, and she watched me as I was fascinated. I was reading the whole service about how easy this living Bible was to read. So after service that Sunday, she gave it to me. This would be my Bible until I turned 19. The one I would read from and as a kid, take the kids' church. And as uh, an 18-year-old, one of the most profound and significant events of my life of God speaking to me for the very first time that I really remember and was just profound and life-changing to me was with this Bible, with this book that I love so very much. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's a good book. And then when I turned 19, I was dating a very beautiful girl sitting in the front row. We were just begun our relationship August the 16th, 1982, which would have been uh, just 10 days after I asked you to marry me. And you said yes. And you wrote, happy 19th birthday. May all the years ahead of us be happy as this one. I'll love you forever, Chris. You've never, you've never not done that description, sweetheart. I love you so much. She put in my hands the Bible that would be the Bible that we would take to Bible college together and go into ministry together. I preached my first sermon and my second, my third, and, and on and on and on. And throughout the pages of this book, I've marked it well with all kinds of markings and notes. And they give you lots of, often in Bibles, blank pages, which I filled with events February the 5th, 1987, ended a two-day two day meeting, special meetings at church, and God began to speak to Christina and I. March the 23rd, 1987, June 2nd, 1989, Friday of the most incredible week of my life, the week that I took a number of days to find God's mind. All of the kind of crossroads and 
places where I stopped and said, Lord, would you be a lamp to my feet? And then the scriptures that God used to lead and guide me. A Bible that I carry today, and uh, that's, is, uh, that, by the way, is an NIV Bible, probably one of the best translations, and I'll tell you why next week. But now I carry the New King James, and uh, this one uh, for many years uh, now, um, that one, my 20s, my 30s, planted the church with that one, preached many of my messages, and then I transitioned to this one. I love the book. I love the book. Number two, I want you to not just love the book. I want you to learn the Word of God. You learn it by listening. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You can listen to the Word today and take notes and learn how to hear God's Word. Listen to podcasts during the week. Learn to hear God's Word. We uh, learn the Word of God by listening and by reading God's Word. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your spiritual life, your ongoing life with God is contained in the, in the words that you're reading and putting into, your, putting into your heart and spirit. And then thirdly, we learn by listening, reading, and study. Say study. I, I got a, uh, a text just last night. I want to study the Bible. What resources could I use? And I'll post the answer that I gave that person to um, some um, Bible, uh, really the Bible college. But I don't let, don't let the word college fool you or scare you. But um, take looking at doctrine and theology and looking at the Bible as a whole. And I'll post that this week, a website of a precious brother that uh, we've walked with in this house and takes everything from the Portland Bible College material, which Natalie will be graduating. Many of us know her, and she'll be graduating May the 13th. And uh, she's coming home to Cornwall to help us and, uh, and, and to help with what we heard today. Um, Karen will not only be overseeing young adults, but in the days to come, we'll explain to you uh, her position of being a student, student ministry pastor, and she'll oversee uh, front grades five, six, seven, right up to young adults with people working with her. And we're believing God uh, just to see the next generation equipped in a very, very powerful way. And Natalie's coming home to help us with that. But all of the, the, the years that she's, it's, it's online and available for you to download uh, with notes and everything. So I'll put that up this week and you can look at that if that interests you. But studying the Bible. If you don't have a study Bible, uh, a life application Bible, Jack Hayford's Spirit-Filled Study Bible, or if you like business principles, uh, John Maxwell's Leadership Study Bible, uh, get a study Bible. Get a paper Bible. Mark it up. It's the Holy Bible. That doesn't mean you can't have a worn Bible and have yellow highlighter all through it and write it and fill it up and, and make it personal. Make it personal to you. Number three, final, as the team is coming, live, live the word. Live the word. David asked the question, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Which I think I asked when I was a young person and every one of us, how is it possible that we can stay on the path, on the ancient path? How do we stay on that path? By living according to your word. It doesn't mean living according to the Word. 
It means love the Word, learn the Word, study the Word, and then God gives us the grace to live uh, according to this Word. By living according to the Word, I seek you with all my heart. There it is. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will not neglect your Word. It applies to us. It applies to you and me. God's Word isn't selective. It all applies. Say all. Yeah, it all applies. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. We're Christ followers. Why? Because we follow him. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth. Doctrinal truth? No. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The, device, the, 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 the decisive message of the Bible is Jesus. Life is in Jesus. We love the book because we love Jesus. We love hearing what he has to say to us. Love the word, learn the word, live the word. Today I just want to put in your heart, love the book. Hey, just before we sing this final song today, and you'll be dismissed in just a moment, in every service we take a moment to consider the fact that somebody's here today and you've never made a decision to have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus made a decision to have a relationship with you before time even began. The Bible says that you were in his heart. He knew your name even before he created the Garden of Eden. He knew that today would happen. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows all things. He knew that you would be sitting in this service today or watching us online. The book of Revelation, it said that Jesus knocks on the heart of every man, every woman's, uh, door, the door of our heart. There's a door there, <laughs> and it's very significant in that scripture. It's the kind of door that has the door handle only on the inside. Only you can open the door to Jesus. Grandma can't do it. Mom and dad can't do it. Friends can't do it. But Jesus is at the door of your life today knocking, saying, could I come in? And you might say, my house is a mess. And I love that you would knock on the door. I, I love that maybe you had an experience of some kind today and you know that God is real and he's trying to get your attention today. But in this moment, you don't have to clean up your house. He's coming in to do that. You don't have to organize it because you can't. He's coming in to do that. None of us can change our own lives. Only he can do that. Today's knocking saying, would you let me in? And I would just like to ask, if you're in this room today and you've never said yes to Jesus knocking on your door, and it may not all make sense to you today, you may not be able to figure out all that's happening, but you know one thing, I want to know Jesus the way you're talking about. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer, a prayer of invitation that says, Jesus, come into my life. And if you're there, if that's you today, I'm just going to count down from five. I'll say five, four, three, two, one. When I say one, simply raise your hand. I know it takes courage to do this, but in this room, can I tell you that there are people that are rooting for you. They're, they're going to cheer for you. They love you. They've been praying for this moment in your life, either here or online. 
When we get to one, it's for you today to receive Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray with you. Five, four, three, two, and one. Would you just raise your hand wherever you are? I'm just looking across the room. Is there anyone today? For the sake of someone who may have texted online, church, will you pray with us? Let's just pray this prayer together today for someone maybe online who said, this is my day for salvation. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me the way that I am. I ask you today to come into my life. Forgive my sin. I begin my new life with you. Change me today the way only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe that if you prayed that prayer online for the first time, you are born again. He wants to begin to work with you. Let's stand this morning. Let's worship God before we're dismissed to go today.